those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. Welcome everybody, this is Room Tone, the radio show that takes filmmaking's community to your ears. I'm Ruggiero, your host, and here we are, this is our second season, the second season of Room Tone, Room Tone Take 14, every Monday here at 11am this year, we celebrate filmmakers and we love talking movies, every episode we have a different guest, uh, here we are at CITR 11.9 FM as usual, broadcasting from Unseated Maskim Land. What you just heard was the speech from the dictator, followed by the soundtrack of the imitation game. Uh, this episode is all dedicated to Alexandre Desplat, uh, a choice actually made by our, our guest who's here today in the booth with us, an extremely special guest, very, very, very bright guest. Uh, I'm really excited to introduce you to, you to you guys, actually, this extraordinary, magnificent person and movie lover. Please, everybody, uh, raise your hands for the amazing Paul Jensen. Woo. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing great. Oh, my God. You're totally embarrassing me. <laughs> this, is, this is hilarious. I, this is a wonderful way to spend a Victoria day. I love it. Yeah. Got, this is a great show. you got a good setup here. Any show that has film music, that's amazing. Here we are. We're celebrating the craft, and it's a pleasure to have you here. Actually, uh, the way I met Paul is, is, is amazing because uh, Paul uh, uh, was my teacher and still uh, is an extremely bright mind there at VFS. He's an instructor there at VFS. He's a film scholar. He's a writer. Man, you tell us what you do, man. Why don't you shoot through that microphone? 
from what you do, man. You're, you do so much. It's incredible. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, I couldn't help but be inspired right off the bat when you had the great dictator speech on because, you know, some a bit of context here. That was Chaplin's first sound film, right? And, you know, for 10 years or so, people were wondering, you know, when is he going to do sound? When does he have something to say? And uh, he kept holding off because he loved the power of visual storytelling, the power of, of, of cinema. And finally, when he felt he had something to say, he did that speech with that movie. And so here we are on a radio show. It's all about talking and, and inspiring people. And I think that's a great intro. I, I get very excited. Well, here we are. As you can notice, Paul is a living encyclopedia of uh, movies. He knows uh, so much about movies. It's incredible. And the, the most uh, incredible thing, actually, is to look at his eyes when he talks about movies. You know, you see that light going through those eyes. It's incredible. So it's, it's uh, incredible <laughs> and, and sometimes embarrassing. I mean, really, I, I, I love it. I'm a film fanatic. I really am. I've got, I think I got a problem i probably need to be you know checked into a hospital or something but yeah i'm a film freak i love it everything about cinema uh and art in general it's what fuels me if, if a day goes by where i'm not immersed in some form of art i feel like it's a day wasted so it's my my passion amazing that's how we keep we keep ourselves happy arts the arts music movies and you're also an incredibly strong uh, music lover as well right absolutely if, if the, my second passion music it, it's in my the fuel every morning my, my wife sometimes says do we have to listen to music 24 7 I'm like of course <laughs> <laughs> so I feel sorry for her sometimes but no it's it's music is fantastic yeah I, I always thought that that you know you're like a healer you know you heal especially through your classes you know they're so well taught you heal the students with your own passion Passion. And uh, you just uh, um, you just basically hug us with movies, and that's uh, <laughs> that's an incredible thing. You know, not everybody has this ability, you know, to connect with people, and that's why I feel that today's show is going to be so so rich with uh, with passion. You know, you embody passion, and you heal people with that passion. So right after that, I actually want to ask you, how did you get into filmmaking and cinema yourself? Yeah, well, it's I mean, everyone's got their own personal story of their and an individual film that impacted them and really it started back when I was around eight years old and the, the one film I could say that made me fall in love and become obsessed was Raiders of the Lost Ark the first Indiana Jones movie I was born uh, in, the, in the 70s so I grew up in the 80s so I was part of that whole Lucas Spielberg generation with you know films like Back to the Future and Ghostbusters and everything but it was really Raiders that made me become so fanatical. I must have seen it about a hundred times. And I remember when it was the first time I watched it, I realized what film could do and how it could capture an entire theater, an audience of, of, of excitement, of enthusiasm. And when it was over, I turned to my mother and I said, I want to be just like him. And my mother said, oh, an archaeologist. Great. <laughs> and I said, no, no, an actor. And she got so disappointed. She was like, don't, don't go down that path. <laughs> uh, but I did become obsessed with acting for probably the next 12 years. That's all I mm -hmm. wanted to do was, was act, act, act. Maybe that's where a little bit of the performance in a lecture, a teaching, mm -hmm. uh, there's a bit of that there is I love, I love performance. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I got in my 20s, it, it became more about behind the scenes. I wanted to get more control with the camera. And, and then you fall in love with filmmakers like Martin Scorsese. And, and that became my new passion is like is cinematography and editing and directing Wonderful. and all that stuff. Wonderful. So you basically went on the path uh, right after exploring the, the aspect of uh, performance. That is, a, that is actually very interesting. I noticed that there are so many successful filmmakers out there that actually started uh, through the performance, you know, and one of them is Tarantino, and you know, there are so many others. But uh, the, there is probably something about the performance itself and going through that experience that really helps 
filmmakers and, and directors to actually deliver the right pieces of information. So if, if, if you were to, for example, direct a, a movie, you know, uh, knowing the broad net of cast that, that is out there, what would be your choice? Who would you choose in your optimal movie, like for a cast? Oh, wow. That's a, a, the, the dream question. Uh, in <laughs> fact, yesterday I was just having this conversation with Tanya, my wife, and, and we were saying, you know, who our favorite actors currently working are. And the names that came to mind were Daniel Day-Lewis, of course, uh, mm -hmm. and um, Ewan McGregor, uh, and Kate Blanchett, and Natalie Portman, and then, of course, the legends like, you know, Meryl Streep and, mm -hmm. and, and De Niro. But, yeah, those are just some of the off the top of my head. Right on, right on. There is definitely lots of depth in there. Huh? Not bad at all. It, of course, the story also, uh, you know, stories change dramatically depending on the cast that uh, is part of the film. Well, and also, I think what you were saying earlier about how for a lot of people, that's the first thing that they that they fall in love with and get into film with is the performance. It's the first thing we kind of see mm -hmm. as children. So we respond to that. And then we usually, as children, we don't think about behind the scenes. Uh, but as you get older, you get more curious. Like, oh, who are the writers? Who are the directors? Who's the people responsible for the real, you know, heart of it? And uh, it just, it grows and grows. And that passion keeps going. And um, another major element for me was after discovering people like Scorsese and then international cinema, it was Akira Kurosawa, mm -hmm. the Japanese director that completely floored me. And he became almost like this mentor and a deep inspiration. And one of his great uh, books that he wrote is an autobiography called Something Like an Autobiography. And he said, if you want to be a filmmaker, if you want to tell a story through images, learn how to tell a story on paper first. Mm. And he kept bringing it back to that, kept bringing it back to that. And finally, I was like, okay, 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 okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I spent five years just studying screenwriting and writing scripts and uh, the storytelling elements. And here you are as a writer, you know, and uh, coming out of a project actually right now recently, right, uh, as a writer and producer. And uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I'm pretty curious. Actually, the name is super catchy. The nice. great, yeah, the great big block. Uh, it's a it's a, a real dream project. Uh, my colleague and close friend uh, Christopher G. Uh, he came up with this idea and he wanted to do um, a tribute to Stanley Kubrick's 2001: A Space Odyssey. And we both feel it's our favorite movie of all time, and uh, it's celebrating its 50th anniversary uh, this year. So we wanted to do like just a, a you know a short film, but a 30-minute tribute to not just. 2001 but the desire to be an artist mm -hmm. why do we create why are we interested in following this passion as crazy as it is sometimes uh, and yeah we finished it we filmed it last year and it's, it's coming out this fall and, and we're very excited about it the great big block how can you forget that name I'm gonna say it again the great big block look at that come on it's a, it's a, it plays with the words of the writer's block as well and yeah the, the monolith in 2001 as well as the writer's block absolutely amazing uh, amazing wonderful yeah it's, it's it's what's even more fascinating even fascinating is that you as a writer uh you yourself have your mind in filmmaking but also in video games and in fact you also teach at Vancouver Film School in the video games department as well so how did that happen when did you when did you find yourself in that position how did that happen yeah no it's it's been great uh you know it's it's crazy how you just pursue a passion you, you follow your bliss and the doors have a habit of opening up where you least expect them and when I started taking screenwriting more seriously, uh, I, I wrote a script that got some attention and uh, it was under option. It was a kind of a horror ghost story. And that led me into Vancouver Film School and teaching screenwriting. And uh, when the game design program opened up 
they needed some storytelling instructors because they were like, okay, can we get narrative in games? But also, preferably people who enjoy video games. And m- myself and uh, my colleague, we were game fanatics. Mm-hmm. I, again, growing up in the 80s and 90s, I you know I had the first Atari, the console, mm. uh, and then when in the 90s when games started becoming more serious in terms of interactive narrative, I was right there at the forefront, and I became super passionate about it. So. It was an easy segue, uh, and I've been with the program since the beginning, since the GDO ones, and now we're on the 50 ones, and mm. it's been an insanely successful program, uh, seeing all our alumni, my students, working on some of the best games in the industry. So it's it's a beautiful and exciting art form. Wonderful. So you as a writer, what do you, what do you think is the di- main difference between writing for film and writing for video games? Yeah, great question. Um, it's... There's a lot of similarities in terms of like memorable characters and um, you know, strong themes and even dialogue and music. All of these things overlap, but the real challenge becomes plot, mm-hmm. uh, specific plot points, because you really want the player playing the game to matter. So you always, when writing for games, you always have to be thinking about two characters. You always have to be thinking about the hero yeah. of the narrative, but also the player and how they can make choices, obviously, that change and define the, the narrative. Um, I think probably the core difference, just in terms of a kind of a cultural phenomenon here in the 21st century, is that when you complete a game, sometimes you've been playing for weeks, months, and I love it when games end with highlights of what you've done, like a little montage of all these things. Oh, remember when we did that? Remember when I did this mm-hmm. accomplishment? And that feeling of, of accomplishment, that feeling of achievement when you finish a game is very unique because mm-hmm. you don't get that same feeling of achievement like I did all those things in a film. That is a very beautiful thing you said, and that's where I think uh, filmmaking probably is lacking the most, you know? Of course, there are ways to reward the audience through, with a movie as well, but uh, that, as, a video, as, a, as a video game player as well, whenever you go through the whole game and you finish the game, that reward, you know, that achievement, as you said, it, it, pays, it pays off uh, the whole time and the whole dedication that you've put into the game. Do you believe there is a way that filmmaking can uh, get closer to that aspect of video games? Wow, yeah, that's interesting. Um, You know, film was the most popular art form of the 20th century, and now interactive narrative video games seem to be the most popular art form of the 21st century. And it's interesting looking at the other way, because film is its own beast. It's its own type of art form. And uh, they've kind of perfected it. You know, we've had so many incredible films. I don't necessarily know if it needs to... Uh, change or evolve in, in, in the way of becoming a different art form. But video games definitely need to embrace what makes them so special. And, uh, you know, we're at an age now where you, you, everyone is interested in interaction. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, everyone's got mobile devices. Everybody's got on Facebook or Twitter and, and on their phones. And the idea of saying, how can you engage? How can you participate? It's very 21st century. Uh, your identity, uh, putting it out there. And so... Yeah, I think a lot of young people don't have as much patience for for film and TV because they want to participate and engage. Patience, another key word for today. Patience, probably that's the thing that we're lacking the most in 21st century. Everything is happening so quickly. Uh, We all want everything right now, right here. And, you know, the Internet, even with information, it gave us all that. You can just type something in and there it is. But uh, 
the actual process of research, of exploration, where we actually get to nurture a little bit our inner child as well. Uh, that's, that's what's lacking, I believe, in the 21st century. And uh, we might not even notice, but it's something that is slowly, slowly changing us and changing the way we look at life. Absolutely. And what's fascinating, too, is because everyone's so eager to engage and interact and, you know, get into debates online, uh, there's a little bit of a lack of reflection sometimes, and people rush into things. And so sometimes uh, people dismiss so quickly, and they say, okay, move on to the next thing. I don't like that. I don't like this. And uh, we're at an age, I think, where especially online, there's such a horrible disease of negativity, Mm. and people are so quick to, to trash And it's remarkable to me how I meet people and whether they're playing a game or see a movie, one of the first things they always tend to do is zip to the negative. Mm. And whereas I'm very much uh, the opposite, I very much want to celebrate and support these artists that are are creating. That's wonderful. Yeah, uh, Paul is famous to be extremely positive. Uh, That's something that uh, you can can stick uh, right to his his identity, you know. Paul Jensen, everybody has a great, great, beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, feelings for for Paul uh, because of the passion that he gives. And the more you give, and, you know, things are going to bounce back. And, you know, I'm telling you as a student, uh, I feel like I have a lot to give back. And uh, uh, it feels like a great moment, you know, to be here and talk movies together. It's something extremely beautiful, and I'm very happy to be here. So we're actually going to have to take a little break right now, and we're going to go to the next uh, song, the next soundtrack, uh, always chosen by Paul. Uh, he sent me this song. It's uh, actually a soundtrack from The Candidate, uh, always oh. from... Uh, oh, go for it. I- Ides of March, I think it's. Ides of March, isn't it? Yeah, Ides yeah. of March. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and this is actually uh, always a soundtrack from Alexandre Desplat, to which we dedicate the episode. So everybody enjoy. I'll catch you right after the song.
Wow, what a great sense of dynamic from Alexandre Desplat right there. This is the soundtrack of The Candidate. Uh, Ides of March. Uh, oh, the Ides of March. <laughs> yeah. the, the song is called yeah. The Candidate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, here we are with the amazing Paul Jensen. And uh, Paul, I actually want to ask you, uh, you know, after chatting and touching passion and touching uh, so much that, that made you who you are today, is there something that specifically made you Paul Jensen in May 20, 2018? Wow, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, I think there were a few steps along the way. Um, one would have been perhaps at a young age um, traveling back and forth between Canada and Europe. I'm originally from Denmark, Copenhagen. That's where I was born. And I grew up there and then I grew up in Canada. I've been kind of back and forth. And so Europe has this sort of you know, rich culture and history. Uh, and there's always been a kind of a desire in me for substance. Mm. Um, and then uh, here in North America, there's a real pulse you know, and an energy to want to create. Uh, obviously, places like New York and L.A., the energy is even, you know, 10 times more, but it's still, it's kind of exciting. So I've had this this interesting combination going back and forth of, of culture and yet this passion, desire to do something, to create. Um, and then I think, yeah, I mean, we mentioned childhood favorites like, like uh, Spielberg and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And um, then film became a obsession with me that... Uh, I just wanted to absorb it completely. Uh, and then uh, the acting led to filmmaking, led to writing. Um, another thing that really kind of f- helped form me is when I discovered existentialism. Oh, okay. That is, oh, wow. We might get to actually talk about that a little bit later on uh, at the end of the episode. What, yeah. what about it? What about it? Well, the idea of um, the absurdity of life and sort of accepting uh, everything and how there is no good or bad, there just is. And, you know, sometimes in, in life we lose people close to us. And, and I, we, we were talking about just this the other day, actually, about how um, my parents passed away before I was 20. So, you know, from, from cancer. And so by age 20, I was kind of on my own. And I found this sort of uh, warmth, not just in cinema, but also in existentialism that made me, which ultimately would lead to Buddhism. Actually, I'm a, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I'm a Buddhist, so uh, that has been a big uh, thing to sort of feel awake, to be in the moment, to appreciate what you have, and be grateful. Of course, the present is uh, in the in the present lies so much of the of the steps to happiness. You know, uh, you know, being happy. I've heard it. You know, for from so many people that have that happiness within lies in here and now. And that's where we are, you know, talking movies and celebrating the craft and exploring all corners of the cornerless atrium, you know, of the self, you know, a little bit if you want to call it like that in a way. Absolutely. And I find sometimes when, when I meet people who are, are also want to be artists and, and strive towards something, sometimes people get too hung up on the destination, on getting these achievements. But and I know it sounds cliche, but it really is true to appreciate the journey and that every day, as long as you're working towards something, that's the magic. It's not like when you get the accomplishment, suddenly that makes you happy. You know, I mean, there's a famous story, uh, William Freakin did The French Connection and he you know, won an Oscar for Best Director and he was suddenly one of the most famous directors in the world and he was, had money and everything. And he went to his therapist the next day and he said, I've never been so depressed in my life. 
You know, because <laughs> some people think that, oh, well, once I once I get that, once I get that kind of success, then I'll be happy. And the truth is, no, you you have that attainable quality to be happy right in front of your fingertips. If That's you beautiful. Yeah. 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 Happiness is a choice. Is there something that uh, you actually take to your own writing? Is there maybe some sort of routine that you bring to your own writing, uh, looking back at even what you explore through Buddhism? Yeah, it's it's a certain level of discipline as well. You know, you you be good to yourself, you know, and you have to um, reward yourself, but also like understand uh, you can't be lazy. You know, and it is very tempting sometimes to be lazy and lethargic and procrastinate, but you gotta be a bit harsh on yourself sometimes. And then you feel good. Then you feel like, yeah, I did that. I accomplished mm-hmm. that. So, for example, the writing when I was writing my horror script there, the one that got some attention, I was it was two years. Every day, I wouldn't go to sleep without doing something, and then I felt like, yeah, I, I did my duty, and I, I it you know felt good. <laughs> nice. And how did you step in, into that zone? You know, because as you mentioned earlier, you know, there seems to be uh, a little bit. There is a saying that goes, "Losers have objectives, and winners have systems." So what would be your system to self-discipline yourself? How would you approach that challenge? Yeah, it's uh, another great question. It's not always easy. I think um, a routine is very helpful. Uh, kind of like how you, when you get a day job, you don't wake up going, oh, do I feel like going to work today? Usually people do. They just go in at whatever, 9 to 5 or 6 to 10 or whatever it is. And I feel the same thing applies when you're an artist is you just have to treat it like you don't have a choice. Just sit your butt down that chair <laughs> and, and start doing it. And uh, and then if you can balance it with the, the things that you're most passionate about and excited about, then it doesn't feel like always work. It feels like you've, you, some of it's hard work, but a lot of it is pleasure. Mm-hmm, of course. Beautiful, beautiful. And uh, usually when pleasure and when passion is in there, of course, uh, bright strikes of light conquer the room, you know. And just like uh, today, you know, as you might have noticed out there, Paul has an extremely strong sense of dynamic and he's a really good communicator. And that, you can actually uh, listen to Paul's voice even more frequently because uh, he's got a series of podcasts. Isn't that right? Oh, my, yeah. <laughs> That's right. We uh, have a team. Uh, Nick Carey brought together a great team uh, with Paul Donette and Ian Hanlon. And we do this film night podcast where we've done a bunch. And uh, we also did this web series uh, called The Two Pauls. Um, and we just, you know, geek out and talk movies, and it's it's great. But one of the things that's most embarrassing and fun about the show is that we start off usually pretty uh, sophisticated, talking about cinema and art, and then throughout the process of the episode of Two Pauls, we drink more and <laughs> <laughs> we we celebrate wine as well. So by the end of it, it's turned into debauchery, and it's a mess, and it's it's uh, juvenile. And so there's a interesting balance of both. Uh, taking art seriously but also having a bit of fun with it and I think that kind of sums up me is because my spectrum of movies the, what I love it goes from everything from you know Antonioni and Ho Shaoxin to Tron and Video Nasties so I, I, I love it all yeah awesome alright ears open film night podcast right Awesome. People can find you there on Facebook. And uh, we're going to put the link actually here in the description of this podcast so you guys can follow the amazing Paul Jensen also whenever you want. Um, Actually, stepping into the next uh, series of uh, questions, the next topic, you know, this is something a a little bit more fundamental, but I don't think we tackled it before. There is something about telling stories, you know, that pulls us all together as storytellers. So why do you tell stories, Paul? Well, it brings it back to that famous quote in dead poet society to kind of contribute a verse um, you want to be part of that communion I suppose 
um, you know, art helps us not just um, connect with people, uh, but in a weird way, it makes us not feel alone either. Because mm. the amount of times I feel like I've connected not just with friends about film, but also other artists long since dead. You know, people like John Ford or, or, or Alfred Hitchcock, if I immerse myself in their work and, and read about them and hear, read interviews, I feel like there's a real uh, connection there. And, and so I feel, yeah, art, art does that. Um, it also wakes us up because sometimes our world can get a little bit uh, petty. Mm. There's a lot of trivialness everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I just love the substance of, of being woken up by, by art. And uh, it helps us evolve and grow and change. So because it has all these treasures, uh, I, of course, I'd want to be involved in helping create some of that, too. It's, it's, it's not always easy. Mm -hmm. But I, I just, if I can have it injected into my veins like heroin, then that's, that's, all I, <laughs> awesome. that's what I want. Contributing to the poem of life with a verse. Everybody can do that. And, and guess what? That's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's free because it's a state of mind. You just have to be willing to do that. And then uh, hopefully, you know, uh, I truly believe everybody has that, that power to spread a to spread love and to actually contribute with a verse, you know, because, uh, you know, people get confused, you know, and as you talked about existentialism before, uh, things are, you know, and that's how we got to embrace them, you know, and the meaning uh, is just something personal, you know, we, we attribute that to life because it's a symbolic value, but purpose, purpose might be something that comes from the sky, you know, it's like magnetism, you know, as if, as if there is a minus in the world, there is a plus, and maybe you are that plus that is born to compensate that minus. So that means that there is something within you that you have to share or you have to, to, to connect to whatever, you know, lies around us, you know, because we only have five senses, that's all we have. Uh, but I truly believe everybody has that power within. It's just a matter of feeling it, you know. Absolutely. And, and sometimes people get discouraged because they don't, they don't know what their passion is at first or they're, they're looking for it, they're searching for it. And the goal is to just keep exploring, keep growing, keep learning. And you've got to throw coal on a fire to get that passion burning. And you will find it if you just keep uh, learning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Beautiful, wise words right there for Paul Jensen right there. Ah, amazing. Yeah, it's, you know, after listening to all of this, I have to ask you something, man. Where, where do you see yourself in, in five years? Five years? Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, this, I know my wife, Tanya, constantly wants to make plans about the future and that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm so um, opposed to that because I'm in, in Buddhism very much just be in the moment, be in the moment. Mm -hmm. But obviously, yeah, it's a good idea to have a uh, sort of goals, you know, where, where, you're, where you're heading. And uh, this, this project that uh, Christopher G. and I worked on last year, this tribute to 2001 A Space Odyssey, we had such a great time making it. And our, our next goal is actually to uh, make a feature. So we're going to do something like that hopefully in the next uh, year. That's um, awesome. And something on the same scale as like Sex, Lies, and Videotape, you know, mm -hmm. an independent feature. But uh, we also both like um, elements of horror and, mm -hmm. and, and thriller. So we'll, we'll see if we can come up with something. We've got a bunch of ideas we're, we're floating around. So that's, that'll be the next uh, challenge. Awesome. So uh, is there a name already out there that uh, people can hook up to or is it too early? I think it's, uh, it's too, too early. Too early. I, I, right. do, I do have a pitch later on, actually. Okay. All right. All right. All right. We're going to make that happen. Later on in the episode, after we take a break, usually we ask uh, the guests to uh, pitch. We have a one-minute pitch, uh, and we ask the guests to actually pitch their projects and uh, just share whatever they have in their minds and their hearts and just let it all out so that people can listen to each other and uh, maybe even support each other in some ways. And uh, that's where uh, I actually want to go back to the idea of support as a community, 
where do you think the community can actually support and, and contribute and compensate to the imbalances uh, that there are out there? How do you feel that the independent film community can reach out and help the bigger community or the society uh, to improve? Yeah, wow. That's, uh, you know, art and film, it, there is a certain responsibility uh, to want to reflect life as it is. And cinema is a mirror. It is a way to, to communicate. And if we can be as just as, as honest as uh, with ourselves as we can, uh, I think it, it does wake people up to the truth. Um, and we see that with the films that have been coming out in the last you know few years, um, uh, small films like Moonlight and um, uh, what just won the Academy Award uh, this year? Mm -hmm. Something else just won. I forget what it was. But, but oh, you mean like the Oscar? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, Shape, yeah. Shape of Water. Yeah. Oh yeah, Shape yeah, of Water. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, labor of love. You know, such yeah. a labor of love. And when you have these individual voices who want to say something for the right reasons. You know, they're not thinking, oh, this is going to make a lot of money here. Well, let's face it, there are easier ways to make money in this world than yeah. being an artist, right? Yeah, yeah. So we do it for the right reasons. And Shape of Water is such a labor of love, and it's, it's beautiful to see that these artists with integrity. And I think that inspires people around uh, to want to participate and, and engage in the, you know, life's rich pageant. <laughs> right on. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, as, you, as you mentioned, you know, there is a, because the community has its own flow. You know, especially here in Vancouver, you know, here in British Columbia, Vancouver is the core, you know. Uh, I noticed that there are so many people that are willing to fight for community and I see a lot of, a lot of positivity coming in the next five years uh, here when it comes to the community. Now, we've talked about the future. Is there something, you know, we always mention the present, about the present, about the here and the now that you have your hands in, that you're, walk that, that you're working on specifically right now? Well, one thing that I'm I'm trying to put together, and I'm I'm actually almost finished, is uh, as a film book, because uh, all the, the the students I've met over the years, and and uh, all the discussions I've had and and debates, some heated, uh, others joyful, uh, and I just wanted to kind of put it together in one capsule. And so yeah, I've been I've been writing a film book, and it's 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 about eighty percent done, and hopefully it'll uh, come out this fall. So that, that's my the, my main focus right now. That's awesome. How is that called? Uh, I haven't got a title yet. Actually. Okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. just keep eyes open for it, Paul Jensen, and it's, it's something like film appreciation. But but I'll try to come up with a catchy title. Okay, like, awesome, uh, man. The, the history of video nasties. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right on, right on. Wow, the um, the the, the passion that that uh, comes out of your eyes, Paul. It's incredible, man. I wish everybody could see it. You know. Well, you know, I got to tell you, uh, you're, you're, you're great. You're great at embarrassing me. But Rogero, you in school, you were unbelievably passionate. You, you were, in <laughs> fact, know. out of control a couple times. And I was like, okay, settle down, settle down. Yeah. But what I love about you now is you, you've, you've, you're doing great. I mean, this is amazing, the show and everything. So I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is it takes one to know one. You know, the, the mm. idea that we, we are all attracted to. Uh, uh, kindred spirits. Actually, and getting back to the idea of the industry w for for advice for young filmmakers out there uh, is is when you're passionate about something and and don't apologize for it. You know, embrace your as you've talked about the inner child and be silly, be whatever it is. But what makes you eccentric, what makes you unusual, embrace that and nurture that because that's what's going to attract people. Because people are attracted to passion, to enthusiasm. So uh, 
don't hold back on that what makes you special wow what a beautiful words right i'm gonna keep them close because they give me a lot of energy you know and i really appreciate those and uh there is a you know i feel that there is a duty you know for us as artists and film lovers to share that and to connect with people it's all about the people it's all about the people and uh, people have that that they, they're walking stories you know and if you, you I, I believe you will never be able to tell a story if you don't have the love for the singularity and the individuality of the human being because that is indeed the most articulate presence of a story and here we are you know everybody well, celebrating human beings and, uh, and what you're doing with with documentary uh, stuff and and, and meeting people, homeless people in Vancouver it's just the, the, the connections you've made it's, it's it's honorable it's great it's it's all passion you know it's the love it's I'm ju- I just I just follow the heart is the heart you know it's the heart but uh, it's it's I thank you for those words and uh, you know I'll keep them close again because they give me energy and uh, the idea here Roomtone is to share energy give energy to the people out there to the to the audience and uh, do it through filmmaking you know we kick off the week here on Mondays you know and uh, this is a, uh, this is a great opportunity to get to connect and meet each other and not only meet each other but also meet ourselves you know because people are all mirrors, right? Yeah. Is there someone specific in your whole life that helped you to meet yourself at a different level? Wow, that's a, another intense question. Um, well, if I were, there was one regret in my life, it would probably be that I didn't meet Tanya, my wife, earlier. Mm, oh, wonderful <laughs> because, words. Because she, she's been, you know, a blessing uh, so much, of course. Um, and, you know, she keeps me in check sometimes, uh, which is important. Uh, it's a little bit of um, humility. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that, she'd be the most important one, of course, Tanya. Uh, otherwise, you know, talking about what's, what's, in, what's important and how to capture that that passion uh, you know not to be afraid to fail at greater and greater things you know so, so, sometimes when we engage in art and engage in people there's always this fear element of oh what if I screw up or what if I come across stupid or, or whatever and you got to dive into things and not be fearless uh, and I think uh, we grow and we learn from those things so uh, that would be my advice to, to filmmakers as well as don't don't be afraid to fail Wonderful words from Paul Jensen right there. Amazing. Well, I think this is the time to actually take a little break and then uh, we will uh, catch up right with uh, Paul uh, after the break. We have a couple of interesting surprises for you out there. So uh, stay tuned. I'll catch you up right after the break. See you soon.
Welcome back, everybody. That was the soundtrack of a fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, always from uh, Alexandre Desplat, to which we dedicate the episode. Back to our guest, actually. Here we have uh, Paul Jensen, uh, amazing film scholar, instructor, and writer. We talked a little bit about everything uh, today, going from writing uh, to his podcasts to projects of his. Uh, but now it's the time to actually approach the one-minute pitching and what we do here at Room Tone is uh, we actually give the chance to the guests to pitch a project or an idea that they have. And uh, are you ready, Paul, to, to go for a... Well, you know, what's interesting is that you mentioned the idea of pitching on the radio. And it reminds me of a story of uh, John Cassavetes, because he's actually my all-time favorite filmmaker. You know, after discovering Kurosawa, you know, I thought, okay, I, I understood everything about food movies. I, I'd seen all the classics. But then I discovered Cassavetes, and I realized I knew nothing. You know, that just <laughs> opened a whole new world for me. Um, and he's a writer, director, and actor. He is, his amazing wife, uh, Gina Rollins, woman of the influence, and that kind of thing. Um, so it, his first film was called Shadows, and it was 1960. And how he even got that film made was because he was on a, on a talk show, mm-hmm. a TV show, as an actor, because he was an, an actor like in The Dirty Dozen, Rosemary's Baby, things like that. And he, um, he said, well, I have an idea I want to pitch. But he wasn't supposed to, but he did it anyway. He just <laughs> went ahead and pitched. And shockingly, people actually responded and sent him a little bit of money. And so he had this little bit of money, and he didn't have enough to make a movie, but he realized, I can't let those people down. I have to go ahead and somehow get, <laughs> get the rest of the money to make this movie. So that's sort of what, what started his his first film. And he's special because he's considered the, the father of American independent cinema. Mm-hmm. So he was the first to really take a small camera, go out in the streets of New York, and make movies with his buddies. Amazing. So here we go. Uh, this is your chance, Paul. We got one minute. We're going to splash that clock. We got one minute, and uh, yeah, we're just going to go for it yeah all right are you ready you want to go for it the pressure's on all right let's give it a shot for it go for it a woman her name is claire is saying goodbye to her brother he is on death row and it's about to be executed she can't understand why he's so content and happy he's killed a week later she sees him on the street he's alive she follows him but he gets lost in the crowd over the next few days she keeps seeing him Is it a ghost? Is he haunting her? Or has he escaped? The closer she gets to catching him, the more she gets entangled into a sinister crime, finding herself the key suspect in a murder eerily similar to the one her brother committed. The police investigate her, and her entire worldview collapses. It's an existential supernatural thriller. Albert Camus, The Stranger, meets the psychological horror film Don't Look Now. Nice, and we even wrap it up a little bit earlier. That's amazing. What a great pitch right there, huh? You got that voice going on right there. Wow, wow. I, I, I was into it, that's for sure. So when do you actually plan to, to go for, for um, a project like this one? Is, it, is there something in the near future? Uh, is, it a, is it in the time frame? This summer. Oh, this summer? Okay, yeah. it's just going for it. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Just, you're gonna go uh, like on camera. You're gonna oh, well, shoot no, it? we're gonna be writing it. Writing okay, it this okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Okay, so eyes open, eyes open. Hmm. Well, that's uh, uh, yeah. You got my curiosity right there. Well, you know, getting back to that existentialist um, love I had for things like Albert Camus, it, it's it's there's something interesting there, and I do love horror. Horror is my favorite genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of the supernatural has always intrigued me. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay, we might actually get to talk a little bit about that even later on since we're now doing the Proust questionnaire. And what we do here at Room Tone is uh, uh, we have the Proust questionnaire. So we pick five random questions 
uh, out of the 35 questions that Proust, the French novelist, he wrote down, believing that by, ask, by asking and answering those 35 questions, you would actually be able to truly grasp, grasp someone's identity. So we're going to go through five of those randomly uh, right before wrapping the show. And uh, Exciting, exciting. It's, it's, it's always a great opportunity to get to actually see uh, and talk about things that are outside of the film world, you know. Of course, sometimes we actually reconnect with the with the with movies, of course. But uh, let's say we just ask. Let's say we just ask, and we start from somewhere, you know. And uh, there is something that I want to ask to someone who is so positive all the time. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Oh, it's it's not that complicated. I would say a perfect evening would be naturally uh, at home with a movie, bottle of wine, and Tanya. Awesome. Yeah, yes. Simple things. Simple things. You, no need to overcomplicate. People sometimes t- start to seek and in, in complicate themselves, but uh, uh, simplicity is the key. You know? I, I know when I was a kid, though, it was the ballroom at Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Then I got to ask you, second question of the Proust questionnaire to Paul. What is your greatest fear? Oh, greatest fear. Um, wow. Uh, that is a, that's a tricky one. It is um, for everybody. Yeah. Again, I generally I try to avoid all fear. Like I try not to go down that path. And, and usually I'm pretty pretty good at not letting fear or, or desire kind of consume me. So, yeah, generally I'm not afraid of too much. But I suppose I would be f- fearful of um, uh, sometimes sometimes in life you get, you know, irritated by the small things mm. and, and you you're, lose your patience. And I try to stay on top of that, but occasionally I screw up. And so probably fearful of, of that, or fearful of, of becoming irritated with somebody and losing patience. Mm. That, uh, I, I don't, you know, you don't like the kind of person you are when, when that happens sometimes. So, yeah, so, yeah that would be uh, I'm fearful of, of, uh, of not keeping myself in check. Mm, everybody is, is, is I, I feel everybody, myself included, but everybody is afraid of their darker side, you know, that shadow, you know, that... Uh, that layer that sometimes we need to keep calm you know but everybody has it and that's that's just facts you know like uh, it's uh, something that that makes us whole and it's completes us and it's the duality of man how do you actually feel we can get to control or channel that uh, layer of ourselves to the world in a non-harmful way well i i mean it all comes down to awareness i I find that when i'm not aware or i'm distracted or let's say you know it's crazy busy or i haven't got enough sleep then i'm i'm not in in check and then th- that dark side comes out uh but if you're very awake and aware and you know the classic saying think before you speak then you can keep that in check and uh i mean I- i'm not i love the dark side in art uh, to the point where some people think i'm crazy to like some <laughs> of the, some of the horror films that i like i mean you know, they're, they're, in fact, right now, there's a lot of controversy going on because of Lars von Trier's newest film, mm. The House That Jack Built. And there's some pretty, apparently, nasty things in the film. Um, but I'm of the mind of, of that's okay, that, that you, we, we need to see these things in, in, in art. And you look at, you know, the say, for example, the atrocities of, of World War II. Mm. You know, uh, should we not show them recreated in art? You know, we, we, we need to see uh, horrible things that happen in this world in hopes to understand them, in hopes to get past them. So they're not in the shadows. They're not in the closet. So, so people, so we can talk about them. Wonderful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bring them to the surface. Somehow we need them. We need that to manifest. 
and reach out there. It's important. It's crucial it's for a healthy balance. Yeah, right there. So that's actually where I want to go. Uh, I want to ask you one question um, that is connected to your past. And um, we might get a little bit deep in there, but if you don't want to answer the question, just let me know. And uh, it's got to do with your regret. What is your greatest regret? Well, I think I answered that already with uh, not meeting Tanya earlier. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, you, the time time is so, so precious and uh, there's not enough hours in the day. And so you, you kind of wish you could hit that rewind button and do everything sooner and, and, and you know, work on projects sooner. Uh, but uh, I don't, I, I'm not one to regret. Uh, I think when I did discover existentialism and, and Buddhism, that sort of thing, I've been hardwired never to have any regrets. Like I don't, mm. I, I don't think that way. I, I immediately think of the glass half full. Mm-hmm. It's, I, can't, I can't help it. You know, I just, I look at it the, the, the positive way. Um, it's you know the classic saying, "Don't can't, why, why cry over spilt milk." Same principle with regrets. I just I just don't think of them. Wonderful. And how do you manage to actually reach that state of mind? It's sort of practical, you know. Mm-hmm. You um, you just do what. I mean, in fact, getting personal here, it goes right back to uh, when my my father passed away when I was nineteen. Uh, so I'd already lost my mother, and now my dad died at nineteen. And you and I was by myself pretty much. And uh, I had a brother here in Vancouver as well, um, but it, we we were very practical with just working things out. It's like, okay, what's next? What are we? What are the steps? What are the, how do we deal with you know the dead body and all that? All those kinds of things, right? And so that moment, I guess, in my life made me appreciate uh, life and, and not sweat the small things mm. and and the and the, the the petty things. I can't stand pettiness. It just it drives me nuts. Um, so it had this perspective where. Frankly, I've never been depressed since. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I would say to, to answer your question, how do we avoid regrets? Perspective. Just perspective. Yeah. And, and realize that sometimes the tragedy can turn into the, the positives. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, who knows what's good or what's bad. And life has action and consequence. And uh, you can even bring this right into screenwriting, which is that, you know, let's say you write a draft and, 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 and you put so much hard work into it and then you realize that it's shit. You get rid of it, you move on to something else. But you wouldn't be able to move on to that second project if you hadn't written that shitty script. Sure. So I, I think that uh, you just have to realize that everything is, uh, you know, cause and effect. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, the what you just said, you know, it actually is like that. Many times and most of the times, if not every time, the worst things are actually the best things that can happen to you. And uh, listening to what you were saying, you know, the deeper pain digs and the more joy it will contain. I can't, I can't agree more. Absolutely. It, it's uh, the, the greater potential for pain is the greater potential for beauty like there's a real extreme there but it, it, it's it's powerful and you get that in art you get that in art you you bring people into the shadow into the darkness and then you show some goodness in there and it's so impactful it's so profound wonderful yeah this uh woo, this is incredible you know my heart fills up when i hear these things and uh, uh, that's actually where i want to go i want to ask uh, the fourth question of the proust questionnaire uh what do you most value in your friends uh, respect for the arts. <laughs> that, oh, nice. That, that's, uh, that's a big thing. I mean, my, my whole life is, is art. And uh, they, uh, all my close friends are, are fanatics like me with, with either film or music or, or television or video games. So, yeah, it's, I, I value their, um, 
the communication we have like-minded people you know cut from the same cloth um yeah uh, probably the main thing wonderful yeah and this leads us to the fifth question of the Proust questionnaire uh, which actually goes what is your current state of mind well with this great ambient music going on <laughs> in the background i feel very zen right now you know and this is uh we're out at uvc it's a beautiful area uh my in-laws live near here too so that's so nice mm -hmm, right uh, and it's a, it's a holiday so you know and s sitting here with you uh you know going on and on about our crazy obsessions uh yeah total total tranquility you know it's it's uh things things are good I, I, i'm not taking it for granted that's awesome wonderful this uh well we're approaching the end of uh our show here And, uh, you know, Paul, thank you so much for joining. This is a wonderful opportunity, and uh, I'm so happy to actually see your eyes shine just like in the class. It's, it's wonderful. And uh, before actually zoning out and just fading, uh, fading to black, I want to ask you if you could give a piece of advice to the young filmmakers or storytellers out there. And if you have that piece of advice, that little bit that maybe you, you wish you knew earlier in your life. Right, right. Uh, well, the, the number one advice would be, uh, you know, follow your bliss. Don't apologize for your, your passion. And as absurd as it gets sometimes, and I, I, I embarrass myself with my obsessions over things like Star Wars. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, <laughs> the, the doors have a habit of opening where you least expect them when you, when you do that, when you stay true to your path. And um, also find yourself a good community of, of, of artists because all the breaks I've had have come from people I've known and, and other people in the industry uh, so what's good for one of us is good for all of us in a sense so if you can nurture that and, and really respect other people and listen to other people and and don't worry too much about you know well I get paid or whatever like th they often say the first year of um, when they graduate from school I say take whatever job you can and just uh, volunteer because you never know who you're going to meet you never know who you're going to connect with so um, and broaden and broaden your influences. You know, I loved it when Sofia Coppola won her Oscar for Lost in Translation. She said, I want to thank Antonioni, Bob Fosse, Wong Kar Wai, and Jean-Luc Godard. And awesome. later, she later thanked her dad, of course. But I like that idea of broad influences. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Paul. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you here on Room Tone. We go live at 11 a.m. every Monday talking movies. We talk movies because we love it over here. Uh, we're actually going to go with uh, the prologue of Birth, uh, chosen by Paul himself. And uh, see you next Monday. See you. Bye-bye, everybody. Ciao, ciao.